Many of you will know that on the 1st of January, 2020, I was in an aeroplane, which I remember so beautifully. Uh, aeroplanes are amazing. Uh, and we're starting to get back in them again, which is awesome. But it was the 1st of January. I'd preached at C3 Oxford Falls in Sydney in their New Year's Eve dreaming service and encouraging people. Uh, we had our goal anointing service last week, which was where we pray for our goals. And goals are the steps that we take to achieve the dreams. The dreams are the big things. The dreams are the, those, those things in our heart that we'd love to see happen. And so I'd preached for their dream anointing service and we'd prayed for people. And of course, uh, it's the 1st of January, 2020. So COVID hadn't, you know, wasn't on anybody's radar. And I sat in the airplane on the, uh, on the tarmac on the way back uh, to fly back to the Sunshine Coast. And I just felt really prompted by the Holy Spirit in that atmosphere of faith and dreaming big to, to write down what I, what the dream of my heart for our church would be for this next decade. And so many, and you know it if you're part of our church, you've heard it, you've seen it, you've, you've seen the video, you bought the t-shirt, you, you're all, you're all in. Uh, but part of that, part of that dream goes like this. I see new church locations starting with Melbourne in 2020. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. I see these buildings supernaturally in their own, these, these churches supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. That was one of seven stanzas of a, a dream and a dream for the decade. And I've, I've said it numerous times since then, I'm really glad that God uh, challenged me and prompted me to write the dream for the decade, not just the dream for 2020, or even just the dream for 2021, because that would have been really ordinary. Uh, and so I'm glad that God kind of knew what the dream, what the, the, the decade coming ahead is, is going to be an exciting decade for C3 Powerhouse and for the, the members of C3 Powerhouse and our family and those who are not yet part of our family. And so as I, I wrote it down, I'm glad that the, the prompting of God was on that. And three weeks ago, I had the pleasure of flying to Melbourne. I could have done with those noise-canceling earphones you were talking about, Teresa, on the flight. But anyway, that's another story. And I, I flew to Melbourne to be in our brand new facility for us in 100 New Street. And it was a building that a church, just through a, a range of God coincidences, there'd been a church there and they weren't able to continue and we needed a building. And just through random phone calls and connections and, and moments, uh, we ended up getting this particular building. And so it was my first time of being in the building when it was ours and preaching. And I just, I just kind of, it was just one of those moments where you go, this, this is crazy. This is, this is definitely not my idea. This is definitely a God idea. And this is definitely God moving on our behalf. And I, I saw the power of a few things right there. The power of God putting a dream in our heart. It's my prayer that God would put a dream in your heart for what your future could look like and that that dream could be birthed in the Holy Spirit. The, the power of writing down that dream. One of those, as I said earlier, one of those lines is I'm believing for these locations to supernaturally be in their own buildings. 
And that's exactly what we were experiencing. Supernaturally, we got into our own building there in Melbourne. To me, that's part of a prophetic declaration where God prompts you and you write it out. Now, it's, we don't own that building yet. We'll break through here on the Sunshine Coast. We'll have our own place and that, that will flow on going forward. As Jeremy and Lisa go to, to Auckland, New Zealand, I'm believing that God is going to do exactly what He's done for us in Melbourne. He's going to do it for them. And in a couple of years' time, maybe they'll invite me over to preach and we can stand in a building that God's given you and, you can, and we can see all these lives that have been transformed and we can say, we wrote it, we dreamed it, the Holy Spirit breathed on it and God fulfilled it. A power of, the power of a dream from God. Now, here's what I love about a dream that's a little different to a goal, is a dream's a big picture thing that you, you don't fully know exactly what it's going to look like. You, you, you write it down, but you, you see in part, the Apostle Paul tells us, you, you, see, you see a snippet of the future. You have a sense of it, but I don't know exactly if every line and word of, of that dream is going to come to pass. That's not actually the point. The point is the power of writing it down and praying it and prophesying what God said over your life and over my life. And I would, I would encourage you. I heard a, a great uh, preacher last year or a, a businessman last year, Andrew Denton, when he came to our church, he said, I've seen when people do these three things consistently, I've seen God move in their life powerfully. If they, as, if they're married, if they pray together every day over a written long-term, uh, goals that they, they both have and agree on, and they read the Bible every day and let God speak to them. So simple. He said, if people will commit to every day as a couple praying, if they'll commit to having a, a vision that's bigger than themselves that they've written down so that there's clarity for their future, and if they hear from God by reading the Bible, he said, I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle over a long period of time. I want to help encourage somebody today. That's maybe it's just a reminder. Oh, that's right. I need to get that stuff written down and go again. Power of writing something down. I'm believing today that God's going to speak to people, even in this atmosphere. If it's your first time in church today, if it's your first time watching online, I'm believing that God's going to speak to your heart this morning. Prompt thoughts for you that don't come from a preacher, that don't come from your mind, but they come from the Spirit of God Himself. Today's a, a milestone moment for our church. That's why I was so glad that we could have Melbourne joining us in what is a milestone signature moment for our church and the kind of church that we are. I didn't want us to have just a little segment over on the side where we pray for Jeremy and Lisa and we give them some gifts and we send them on their way. I wanted it to be what today is all about because of the significance of this day. See, in 2018, when I was listening to Jensen Franklin preach a message at Presence Conference that stirred me uh, with the idea that God wanted us to plant a church in Melbourne, specifically in Ringwood, and that he'd go before us, in that same message, God was speaking to Jeremy. The message by Jensen Franklin was called, Be Open. And he, Jeremy began, and he'd already begun to, to feel the stirrings of God, but God began to speak to him about planting a church. And not, not too long after that, he began to have dreams and they began to discuss it and people began to stir this whole idea in Jeremy that maybe this is, this is a God thought. And I remember the nervous moment, Jeremy, that you shared that with me in my office. Nervous because you're like, uh, I'm actually imagining not a location like Melbourne, but an autonomous church that will have multi-site. 
and he shared dreams with me and, and thoughts and, you know, sometimes when you share an idea like that, you're, you're putting it out on the table and, and totally committed at that point if, if it didn't resonate with us that it wasn't, they weren't going to pursue it, only if it resonated. This is about three years ago. And we began this journey of conversation and prayer that included others about where and how and what's it going to look like. Unbeknownst to us, uh, the, the world would lock down for two years while the Moors imagined going somewhere, somewhere, anywhere to plant a church. Now, for those of you in Melbourne who don't know Jeremy and Lisa, I know this is a, an unusual kind of day or moment for you, but, but I, let me just tell you a real quick snapshot of who they are and, and why we're excited about what God's doing here today. Uh, over 10 years ago, they turned up to our church uh, separately, uh, pretty beaten up from life, just been through the ringer, uh, a number of disappointments, a number of setbacks in their life, and, and they began to commute from Brisbane to come uh, here to our church uh, over that past decade, I, I watched Jeremy, who, who, when I first met him here in Premier Circuit on a Sunday night when you're coming to our church and we went upstairs for a cuppa, the walls were up at that point. The, uh, the I've made an inner vow to, be, to never be a pastor, because he'd been a pastor. I'd made an inner vow to never be a pastor. wasn't spoken, but it was felt. Uh, the, the, the PK uh, crap detector was on quite loud. What's going on here? What are you trying to do? But we just said, let's go on a journey together. And Lisa had been coming to our church for a little while and not long after that. 12 years ago today, they got married. Is that right? Your anniversary today. Hope you remembered that. And over the last 12 years plus, they've served, they've stretched, They've gone out of their comfort zones. They've, they've said yes to God. They've taken assignments that weren't ideal or comfortable. Lisa became our worship director for, for many, many years. Jeremy's overseen all sorts of different aspects of our church. They had uh, another three beautiful little girls, twins, just when they thought life wasn't exciting enough. They had twins. And what I love about Jeremy and Lisa is they've faced challenges uh, head on and continually come up smiling. They've seen a number of miracles that God's done in their family. They've prayed their way through things. They've faithed their way through things. Most of us wouldn't be aware of the challenges uh, that they've encountered along the way just because they keep coming up buoyant, strong, and in God. And I love when I think about the vision of our church. Our vision is transform lives. We want to see lives transform. And transform lives it looks different in all sorts of different ways. It's not just a, a, a person who's, who's a drug addict having an encounter with Jesus and having this radical turnaround. I love that story. But Transform Lives looks different for everybody. And for some people, it's, it's going from the slowly but surely softening up as God does a healing work in, a, in hearts and minds and in relationships and eventually opening up that God could repurpose you for his original purpose. And Jeremy and Lisa are living epistles of the vision of our church of transformed lives. They are transformed lives. Their story is a story of restoration and God's used them powerfully and he's about to use them at a whole other level for our church. So I want to talk about being a sending house, a sending house. So if you've got your Bibles, for those of you in Melbourne, open up your Bible, your iPad, even your Samsung will take. Open it up this morning to, sorry, Toby, Acts chapter 13. Those of you watching online, 
open it up, and we're going to look into the, the Word of God here together. I want to just uh, go through a passage of Scripture and look at ascending house in the New Testament. Originally, Jerusalem was the sending house that Jesus, uh, all of the, the miraculous outworking of the gospel began in Jerusalem. But in Acts chapter 13, we're introduced to another apostolic center. It's called Antioch. Let me read uh, just four verses out of Acts chapter 13, and let's go through them together. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Minoan, and Saul. You can read all the descriptions about them. Uh, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from there to Cyprus, a little island called Cyprus, and Paul and Barnabas began their first missionary journey. Now in the church at Antioch, everybody say Antioch. Antioch is a pretty important church in the New Testament. It's, a, it's what uh, we would call an apostolic center. You see, uh, churches even today are similar in terms of uh, the, the styles of churches of the New Testament. Some churches are, are smaller, local, pastorally focused churches. Uh, other, other churches have more of a teaching emphasis. Some are very strong uh, in their community or in missions. And, and there's all sorts of different flavors of local church that God has. But some of the churches that he has are what's called apostolic centers. And I began to teach about this to our church last year. It's at some of our Dream Team United. But, but you can tell Antioch's a, an apostolic center because it's got prophets and teachers. And there, there's this kind of group of people there that are more influential than just a small, smaller, local, pastorally focused church. If someone asks me what kind of church C3 Powerhouse is, for years this would be my description. Just to, for, particularly if they were a Christian and they understood some Christian expressions, I would say this. We're a soul-winning, disciple-making, supernatural church. That's the, if, you, if you want us just in a snapshot, the kind of church we are. We're a soul-winning church. Soul-winning is our true north. We exist to bring people who aren't in relationship with God into relationship with God. In fact, if you're here today and you've come along for the first time, you're watching for the first time, you're in Melbourne and you're not in a relationship with God, the most important thing we could do today would be to help you connect with Jesus in a life-transforming way. That's our true north. We're a soul-winning church. One of the reasons I'm committed to planting churches is because I believe it's the most effective evangelistic strategy on the planet. Planting churches is how we keep winning more and more people to Christ. That's uh, as painful as it is to let friends go, as painful as it is to watch those little princesses move to another world. Not, and that's for us. I can't imagine for you, Gordon, Joe, I'm sorry, uh, but that was God. I'll just come to this side of church for a moment. As painful as it is, we're committed to the Great Commission, and that's of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're a soul-winning church. We're a disciple-making church. It's our core mission. 
We're not, you know, I don't know if you've ever, with some social media, you can buy followers. You can, you can there's little, little tricks apparently, you can buy a whole lot of followers. Well, we're not into buying followers. We want to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We want people to come into a relationship with God that turns their world upside down, the way they do life. It turns them around. We're deci- it's our core mission. And we're a supernatural church. It's the heavenly flavor of God on our house. Not every church believes in the miraculous, but we do. Not every church believes in speaking in tongues, but we find it in the Bible to be a super powerful thing for us to do. We believe in deliverance from demonic spirits. We're a supernatural church where God moves miraculously on our behalf. If you believe, just give me a masking amen. Come on. There it is. You've got it in you. That's the kind of church we are. But I believe we're also, uh, our church, and particularly the last few years as prophets have come and prophesied over us and God's spoken to us about being an apostolic center. 2018, uh, prophet after prophet came and talked about a new era and a shift of gears for us to be an apostolic center. And Antioch was an apostolic center. I want to just quickly give you five things that I believe mark an apostolic center. The first is this, uh, and you see it in this, in this description of prophets and teachers. An apostolic center it has five streams of the fivefold ministries of God flowing in it. The apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the, pro- the pastor, and the teacher. So in, a, in an apostolic church, it doesn't mean we have to go, well, that's, that's Prophet Teresa, and that's, that's, you know, that's Teacher Josh, or whatever. That's not what it means. It means that in our church, we just have a flow of the streams of apostolic, which means getting out of our comfort zone and taking ground of prophetic, which means that we've got a church, we've got leaders who help us to hear the voice of God, to tune in and to encourage one another, a pastoral stream where we're committed to loving one another and pastors are helping us in that, an evangelistic stream where we're committed to winning the lost and a teaching stream where we go deeper into the Word of God. Those, The operation of those five key areas are a sign that a church is an apostolic center. Apostolic literally means sent or sending. So if we were to go back into biblical times, the first, the first kind of word that they would use, uh, the Greeks would use the word apostle for a ship that was sent to go and uh, either to take ground or to establish new territory. A Roman general would be called an apostolos. And their role would be sent by Caesar to go to a new land and either by conquest or by submission to establish the colony of Rome in that particular area. They'd either do it with military force or they'd do it because the people said, oh, we love uh, everything about Rome and we we want to become a Roman colony. And so the apostolos would leave home being sent and go to establish the Roman rule, Caesar's rule, and Roman culture and a way of living a particular life. That's what the apostolos meant. So being an apostolic church, uh, Jesus was the first apostle. Bible tells us Jesus was seated in heaven and he was a, an apostle. In Hebrews 13, he was sent to earth. So he went out of one place, went forth to establish the culture of heaven on planet earth, to break it open by force and by submission, heaven ruling on planet earth. Jesus was an apostle. So as a church, that's, that's us. We're a sending church. 
It means that this vision of, of sending uh, five uh, couples more than likely over a decade and, ma- and maybe another five in the next decade is part of what it means. It, it's, it's inconvenient. It's challenging. It it's, will stretch us, but it's part of being an apostolic center. An apostolic center has a fathering emphasis. Uh, there, Paul writes and says, you've got lots of teachers, but not many fathers. So an, ap- an apostolic church, and I see this in our church. I love this, the spirit in our church. An apostolic church is about releasing the next generation. It's about saying that the church is only one generation from extension and therefore we're going to empower young people to lead. We're going to empower the next generation people to rise up because that's the spirit. And we'll do it not with a, oh, they're taking my spot. We'll do it with a spirit of, of a mother and a father going, I want you to succeed. I want you to do better than me. I want you to stand on my shoulders and be successful. And, and so instead of, a, instead of being a church of... of older, crankier people, or a church of older, happier people who are young at heart. Come on, and all of those who are over 51 said, sorry, I'm 51 this week. All of those, so, so there's this spirit of the next generation. That's apostolic. It's Paul taking young people with him and raising them up and developing them. That's what an apostolic center mindset is. An apostolic center has a conquest or breakthrough spirit about it. Uh, apostolic means uh, the Bible talks about first the the apostles. That the word there is proton. Excuse me. Proton. It means first. You see, in Antioch, uh, we were first called Christians at Antioch. It was first. In Antioch, uh, there was a there was a. a, a persecution in Jerusalem and all of these people scattered and they went to Antioch and it was the first church to have a move of God in the Gentiles, not the Jews. It was first. There was a breakthrough, uh, a breakthrough thing on that church that broke open ground that other churches followed through. The last thing that an apostolic church is, well, Sandra has signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, it's expected and experienced. Paul says, uh, I, I must do the works of an apostle. I must persevere to demonstrate the true marks of an apostle. Signs, wonders, and miracles. And so there's a, a conquest in the spirit realm for that, but that's the mark of an apostolic center. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, we're an apostolic center. Come on, those of you in Melbourne, just turn to your neighbor and go, we're part of an apostolic church. All right, so this apostolic church, if we go back to, to the, the passage, we find this. It says, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Set them apart for me. Just say these guys are heading off. These, see, um, Paul and Barnabas had already done a missions trip of taking money to Jerusalem on behalf of the church at Antioch. They'd prophesied a famine and so they'd collected money and sent it with them. And so they came back and they were seeking God together. I'll just, in my notes, the thing that I take out of that part of the scripture is this, that new things are birthed in prayer meetings. New things are birthed in prayer meetings. 
Sometimes God wants to do a new thing in your life. I believe for many people in this room right now, God wants to do a new thing in your life. He's got some, he's got some things that are going to be different for you. It's not going to be same old, same old 2022. It's not going to be a repeat 21 or 20 or 20. Please God, no. Everybody said no. He's got some new things for you. And I believe that when, when God wants to give you new things, he gives, them in the, he gives them by His Holy Spirit in an atmosphere that is set aside for Him, in an atmosphere that costs us. They were fasting and worshipping and praying to God, and God spoke to them. This Wednesday, we're beginning a new thing for our church. For the last couple of years, we've done prayer meetings online. And that's been awesome, and it's helped us to be together on Instagram. Uh, but there's, just, there's, there's nothing like praying together in the room. And so this Wednesday, we're beginning in Melbourne and on the sunny coast, a once a month, first Wednesday of the month, prayer meeting that will go from 6 to 7 uh, in, the, in the morning. I know, right? I know, 6 in the morning. Some of you in Melbourne are like, I, it's going to be dark. I, I, I know, it's okay. You, you can do this. Uh, in our building in Melbourne, here on the Sunshine Coast, we are going to uh, set the first Wednesday of the month aside to pray. We're going to pray together as a church. I believe new things are birthed in the place of prayer. I, I imagine that if, if these guys hadn't been fasting and praying and seeking God, then would they have heard the whisper of God with his intention? God wants to get your attention. He wants to shift some things in your life. He wants to get you out of ordinary into super ordinary. And so you're like, well, is, is a prayer meeting going to do that? Well, maybe, just maybe it will. The reason that we're going to do this prayer meeting, let me just give you a little teaser for it. And for those of you online who are on the sunny coast or Melbourne, I want you guys to, to include yourself in this. You've got it. You can calendarize it now, first Wednesday every month. This Wednesday, we're going to kick off. It's my birthday. I know, right? So I want you to come. I'm having a prayer party for my birthday. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be leading prayer. And so often people will say to me, and I've had different people at different times go, oh, would you, could you mentor me? Can you mentor me? And unfortunately, just due to the constraints of my time, the, the, the majority of my mentoring happens either from a pulpit or particularly teaching people to pray. If I look at the breakthroughs and the turnaround that have happened in people's lives around me, so often it's come when people have learnt how to pray. Because we know we should pray, but we don't necessarily know how to pray. And it's not just knowing how to pray, but there's a spirit of prayer that we get on us. And so some of you are like, well, I'd love to be mentored in my prayer. I want to, go, I want to encourage you. This is what's going to happen. For the first 30 minutes of the prayer meeting, 6 to 6.30, and I'll lead the majority of them here on the coast, Dan Frecker in Melbourne, we're going to, I'm going to just teach you how to have a 30-minute quiet time. I've done this at different points uh, for, for years. I'm just going to walk us through. If you were to pray for 30 minutes every day, this is what it could look like. And we'll pray and we'll teach you and you'll, you'll catch a spirit of prayer. And you'll get a picture of prayer. And you'll find that then when you go home and pray on your own, something will be transformed on the inside of you. And then now you're going to have a greater level of access to where God speaks to you. Okay, so that's the first 30 minutes. And then the next 30 minutes, we're going to pray together for our church. We're going to believe God together for a number of different things that he's got for us. So that's, the, that's, that's happening. Things get birthed in the spirit when we pray. 
When I began my business years ago, I remember walking through the garage of our house in Perigian Beach and a, a friend of my father's, who I can't even remember his name, he was kind of a salty old prophetic type guy, and I, he, we just, I walked through the garage and my dad said, oh, John's about to start a business. And he just looked, he, you, know, you know, sometimes you've got these prophetic people and they just look at you with their prophetic beady eyes, looked into my soul, read, like read my mind and the future. I don't know what was going on. But he did, and he just said, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. I can't remember the guy's name. I, can't, I probably haven't seen him much more than that particular occasion, but that word went straight into my spirit. It became the foundational scripture for me as I began to uh, run a business, learning how to run a business. It was my Bible college of faith. I had two particular moments in, this, in my business where God taught me things, uh, he's taught me heaps, but taught me things that have stayed with me for a long period of time. And one of them was, was this particular scripture where, where our business had, it had turned around and gone through a great season, but then we, we came into a new season, circumstances changed, and I was busy trying to work out how we're going to survive the next season. And I couldn't work it out, and it was driving me bananas. Uh, I'd done, done university, I was applying everything I'd learned, I'd worked for other people, I was applying everything I'd learned, and I just got to the place where we were headed downwards, I said the only way that I'm gonna, things are going to turn around here is if God speaks to me and gives me clarity. I've come to the end of my understanding. And this scripture came back to me, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And so I began a prayer meeting in our garage. And I got my business manager and we began to pray. And as I prayed every day, I just declared God's promises. And at the end of each, each day, as faith was, was rising in my heart and I was getting above the nerves and the anxiety of the problems, a persistent thought would come to me. And this persistent thought was about one of the products in our range. And, and it's like God said, I want you to take that product and build a range of products around it, and that will be the way you'll, you'll go into the future. Well, I must have prayed like that each, each morning, each work morning for, for a little while, and, and it just this thought kept coming and kept coming. So I took it to be the prompting of God. And as God prompted me, here's the thing. Here's, here's the, the deal. In, when you're in prayer, when you're in an atmosphere of God and you step above logic, you step above your own understanding, you step above your own sense of planning for the future, when you're in that place, God can begin to speak to your heart and he can direct your steps. And I love how he does that. Logic doesn't always cut it. The SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, it's great. But sometimes you need more than a SWOT analysis. Sometimes you need more than a good idea. Sometimes you need more than a mentor. You need a word from God and a prompting to your spirit. And so I want to encourage you. I, I, this would be one of the strongest senses I've got for us for this year. It's going to be a phenomenal year for us, church. It's, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal year. But I believe that there are, there are some people and God's got some prompts for you that if you could just tune in to him, it will take you beyond anything you could achieve in your own strength, in your marriage, in your family, in all different areas. If you tune in, new things are birthed in prayer meetings. 
Last thing I want to say about this. In verse 3 it says, So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent them on their way by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to Seleucia. They sailed from there to Cyprus. They visited one little town on the island of Cyprus called Salamis. The others, Paphos, Salamis. I've been thinking about that. C3, C3 Salamis would just be a great church, wouldn't it? It's not the worst name. Worst, oh, come on. You can have a great slogan. You can have a great slogan. Come to C3 Salamis. We love to meet together. If you're sick and depressed, you'll be cured. Come on. Oh, yes. No, sorry. Really bad. <laughs> the miracle is in the moving. The miracle is in the going. The miracle's not in knowing how it's all going to work out. The miracle's not... I, I just see Paul and Silas and, and, and Paul and Barnabas and the Holy Spirit says, just come with me and I'm going to guide you. I'll go before you. I'll make it clear for you. I'll open doors for you. They didn't have a, they didn't have a like, oh, let's make the first missionary journey here, 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 and here. I'm feeling for Jeremy and Lisa right now because they're going to somewhere in Auckland. Somewhere. You're like, haven't they planned it better than that? No, they've got a go from the Holy Spirit. They went and drove around and checked it out. They've got a few places they like, but because of restrictions, they haven't been able to travel there very often. So they're just going to move. But that's where the miracle is. The miracle's in the moving. The miracle's in the stepping out. I remember driving through Melbourne the first time Danielle and I ever went to Ringwood after God told us we we're going to start a church in Ringwood. Had never been to Ringwood. I remember driving and literally fear started to hit my heart and I'm like, we're crazy. We don't know anybody here. Why would this work? But then the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. He talked to me about an inheritance in that city. And then he would go before us. I want you to know, Jeremy and Lisa, there's a miracle in your moving. You have an inheritance in that country. You're going to redeem an inheritance from your parents that's for you. God's going to open doors. And you're like, wouldn't it be awesome to have a 20-point plan? Mm? Yes, it would. And I want to say to somebody here today, when God speaks to you, don't wait until you've got all your ducks in a row. Don't wait and don't sit back and analyze and analyze and analyze before you step out. You just get analysis paralysis. Sometimes you've just got to go, God said it, I'm doing it. I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to, I'm going to start a connect group. I'm going to step out and do something brand new. You're going to walk by faith and God's going to go before you. Can we close our eyes right now? Melbourne, close your eyes with me, those of you who are online. Father, I thank you today for this significant day. Thank you for the privilege of being an apostolic church. I thank you for your grace that's on us. I pray for every person listening today for the touch of God. Even right now, Lord, I pray that you would begin to gnaw away at people's hearts about what your move for them is. What's that step? 
What's that thing that as they move, there'll be a miracle? You put clay in the eyes of a blind man and you send him to wash it. And the Bible says that's where the miracle was as he moved. It made no sense. So Lord, right, right across this service today, I pray, prompt us. What's that first step? What's that move you want us to take? We pray for it. Commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.